<laughs> I wonder if that song will ever get old. Uh, if there's an anthem for my life, and I've got a feeling I'm not by myself, but there's an anthem for my life, it is, I am redeemed. The voices of shame and regret try to speak into our voices and our hearts today, and, and Jesus just says, no child, you're redeemed, you're redeemed. And that's just a powerful thing. And if it's right in what we want to talk about today, you know, we're in this series entitled The Baby, uh, Baptist Faith and Message. And I told you we're not going to try to remember every because these things will go 13 weeks uh, throughout the summer. And uh, but but I left you last week with with man. We talked about man last week. And we talked about in the garden all God's wondrous plan, how great it was. And 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 Eve had the free will, and she sinned. And she when she sinned, you know, a separation occurred between God and man. And there was an Adam ate also. And, and again, the separation was there. And we kind of left them in a mess. It was just a big mess. They, they, they tried to fix it. I mean, to their credit, I guess. They tried to fix it in the sense that they took some fig leaves and sewed them together and tried to cover up their shame and their nakedness. Uh, and that being before God, they tried to fix it. And I told you that was kind of like the birth of religion because religion is always man's attempt to reach up to God. And that never works. That never works. And we kind of left them in that mess. But then we gave you a glimpse of hope. Last week, because we said that God went and slew an animal, killed an animal, and then made skins. And we, we know the Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. So it's a beautiful picture of what was coming in the future, that redemption, I am redeemed, was coming for man one day. But the bottom line is, man was still just a mess. And you might say, well, Dwayne, what do we do with that? And I want to share that with you exactly today. And it's just a wonderful story of God's wonderful plan of salvation. As far as the Baptist faith and message, of course, it's salvation. And tonight, by the way, um, it, it kind of flows into it. This is actually two articles. That the Baptist faith and message are broken to, to articles, 18 of them. And so this morning, we're going to cover salvation. And then tonight, the other article we're going to look at is grace. And I've entitled the message, Grace Fest. Grace Fest. I hope you'll come back tonight at 6 o'clock under the steeple for that. We're going to have a good time in the Word of God as we took a look, look at grace. And uh, I don't want to say more than that because I'll ruin my introduction. I've got planned for tonight. But I'll throw that right there to you. So anyway, so man in a mess, what do we do? What do we do? And that's what I want to share with you today, this wonderful plan of salvation. But here's the problem. Sometimes we don't hear. How many of you guys have ever been on an airplane flight? Raise your hands. Wave at me. Yeah, lots of you guys have. Well, you know, now again, I'm obviously small, small charters. This may not be true. But if you fly commercially, even if it's like a small regional jet out of, out of Marion or someplace like that, uh, Jackson County, if you fly out of there, one of the things that are required by law to do is to give you a safety briefing. And sometimes now, it's still the stewardess standing up there, the flight attendant, staying up there and giving, this is what you need to do. You know, if you lose pressurization, the oxygen mask will fall down. Be sure and put it on yourself before you help your kids. You know, if they don't make it, we're sorry about that. But help yourself first. All right, do that. Um, and then they'll put your seatbelt on. And if, you, if we're flying over water and you crash, the, your seat cushion's also a life preserver. All of that. You know, I tell you all of that. And here's the amazing thing. Is that, have you ever noticed on a flight, if you do it, if you fly a little frequently, have you ever noticed what people do during the safety briefing? They don't pay attention. They don't pay attention. Well, actually, that's kind of halfway true. Okay? Some do and some don't. Now, if it's their first time flying, they've never been on an airplane before, and they, they, they got on the airplane and look around going, okay, this hunk of metal is going to take me thousands of feet into the air and fly, and that sounds just a little bit like hazardous to my health. And so they're wanting to know everything because they've never flown before. They, they want to know everything about safety. And so the first-time flyers are ravenous to hear safety information. And they're just like this. They're just listening to everything, okay? All right. And then there's another group of people. And that's the ones that have an incident in their past. Um, I, I remember a story back right after 9-11, September 1st, 19, uh, 2001. And, and you know, it, it was written by a reporter who did a lot of flying. And he was talking about the fact that he had flown many, many times. And just like we said, just like we said, invariably, the people don't listen. You know, the, the suitors is up there, you know, doing their thing. And we've got earphones on and we're talking and chatting. We've already picked up the Delta magazine and reading the Delta magazine. All these things. And no one's listening. He said that was just the way it was. He said, but he flew about two weeks, three weeks after uh, 
And an amazing thing happened. Everyone was listening. He said the plane was totally quiet. Because you know, remember 9-11, those aircraft were hijacked. And, of course, used as weapons of terrorism. And it was a whole different culture that day on the airplane. Because everybody realized that something could happen. I remember way back in 1996... um, the church at Cobden was generous enough to provide for our 10th anniversary a trip to the Holy Land. And uh, it took them over a year to raise the money. But in July of 1996, right after they said, we're going to send you to the Holy Land, um, a flight took off from New York. And you know what's amazing? I didn't have to look up the flight number. It's been, what, what would that be, 20, 18 years ago, 22 years ago? I didn't have to look up the flight number. Flight 800, TWA. It took off on 747, took off out of New York, and it got just off the shore, climbing away, and exploded. 230 people died. Remember very well. And they didn't know. Some people said they thought they saw a missile streaking, so they thought it was terrorism. And they, they obviously discarded that. That was not the cause. But for four years... They investigated, trying to find out. It was one of the most largest... It was the third largest aviation disaster that has happened in America. And they literally went to the bottom of the ocean. They pieced this thing back together the best they could to find out what was going on. Well, the church raised the money for us to go to the Holy Land. And we went in November of 1997, a year later. And that was still news. It was still news because they could not figure out what had happened to this plane. And we were going to be flying... Judy, you remember... We were flying a 747. And we were flying out of that exact same airport. And we were flying out of the same trajectory, the same flight path. And I was scared. A year had passed. But those, those fact that it was the same aircraft, same flight, same airport. It, I'd flown many times before, but it frightened me. And I remember that day. I listened. I listened. Because something had changed that made me know this was important. As I talk about salvation today, there will be some of you who perhaps have never, one you may have never heard. It's possible. I know it sounds strange. I'll never forget the story of uh, Cindy Messamore, who lives right down the road here. And, and we met Cindy somehow. I'm not even sure how we met her, to be honest with you. Um, but we had the opportunity to share with Cindy about Jesus since she received Jesus. And I remember Cindy saying, right here in our neighborhood, three, three blocks down from Dorsville Baptist Church, um, I remember Cindy saying, no one's ever told me this before. She was 45 years old and never heard the story of Jesus. Never heard about salvation. So it's theoretical on the, on the airport, or excuse me, on the radio today, or in this room even today, in this crowd, there's possible someone who said, you know, somebody invited me to church, but I, I've never really understood Jesus. It may be your first time. And I want you to know, I hope you listen today. I hope you listen today. Or perhaps you're here today, and you've flown a lot. <laughs> you've flown a lot. You've heard lots of messages, and you've heard the Jesus story a whole lot. My prayer and my bottom line, my, my hope is, is that you're going to listen today because somewhere out in the future, this salvation thing may be more important than you ever dreamed. It might be when the doctor says, I'm sorry, you have terminal disease. It may be um, some other crisis in your life. And your salvation is going to be realer than it's ever been before. And I want you to leave here knowing exactly what it means to be saved and what God did on our behalf. So I hope that. So, so my tagline today, if I can remember to use it, you know, sometimes I get a little bit passionate about preaching and I forget what I plan to do. But, but I, hope, I hope the tagline will come out of my mouth several times today. And the tagline is going to be, are you listening? Are you listening? And I hope you'll respond. Even if I don't pause and let you do that, I'm listening. I'm listening. Because salvation is the most important message that there ever could be. So, last week we left man in a lurch. We left man in a mess. 
And let, let me give you the scope of this. Um, it's Romans chapter 5, verse 12. This is just a throw in, okay? In Romans chapter 5, verse 12, the Bible says this. Um, when Adam sinned, okay, Adam and Eve sinned. When Adam and Eve sinned, sin entered the world. Now, keep in mind what we talked about last week. I, don't, I can't spend a lot of time. But remember, the world was perfect. God had this great plan. I literally, I want you to go home, populate the world, go down, you know, go out and populate the world. I want you to rule the world. That was God's plan. A perfect world, a perfect mankind, a perfect creation. That's what God's plan was. And when Adam and Eve sinned, all that changed. So, so when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. And when sin entered the picture, it changed everything. It says this, Adam's sin brought death. Okay? Um, so Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone. Okay? So, so before Adam's sin, nothing died. After Adam's sin, everything died. Trees began to die. Plants began to die. Um, animals began to die. And people began to die. Okay, so when sin came to the world, um, immediately, immediately, Adam's body began to grow old. Immediately, Adam's, Adam's body became susceptible to disease. Immediately, all that happened. Immediately around him, animals began killing one another. All this took place. When sin came into the world and death came. But, but also immediately, he died spiritually. Immediately, there was a gulf, a gap between him and God. And none of that was present before sin. It all came when sin came into the world. And how it impacts us, it says, so death spread to everyone. You know about that. You've been to Reed's Funeral Chapel. You used to go to Gaskins. You've been to Warwick Funeral Chapel. You read the obituaries. You read the newspaper. You've got, you've got mementos in your house from a spouse you lost. Some of you here perhaps have some kind of a disease that ultimately is going to lead to your death. You look in the future and you see that death. All of us are going to die eventually. All that's true. So, so death has come to everyone because everyone has sinned. So the reason why their mess is such a big deal, is their mess is our mess. Okay? Their mess is our mess. That's why it's such a big deal. That's why you really need to listen today. That's why if you've never heard this Jesus story about, about the good news of God's forgiveness, it's huge for you. If you're listening on the radio today, and this is, wait a minute, you say, I don't usually listen to preachers, but I happen to find you on the radio, Dwayne. Well, this is a big deal for you. But it's also a big deal for you if you're here today because it really will make you appreciate what God has done for you. And the more you appreciate what God has done for you, the more you're going to live uh, a better and, and more profitable, fruitful, and productive life for the kingdom. It's going to happen. So I want to start with... Well, I entitled the sin problem, the sin problem, because I really want to clarify the sin problem. Our first scripture this morning that's going to be on the screen is John chapter 3, verse 18 through 20. And I really hope you'll get a hold of this, because here's the deal. Here's the deal. Now, we've, we've got it somewhere in our heads. You know, we, we, I ask sometimes you know, when I lead a child to Jesus, I'll say, now, do you understand what sin is? And can you tell me what a sin might be? And they'll say, well, you know, if I tell a lie, that's a sin. I said, yeah, that's a sin. That's right. Or if I disobey my mom and dad, that's a sin. Yeah, that's a sin. Um, if I steal something, that's a sin. Yeah, if I don't forgive my friend, that's, yeah, that's a sin too. And we start naming sins like that to help them understand what sin is. And But as an adult, we might be tempted to go, now, wait a minute, Dwayne, time out. So you're telling me that God is going to send me to hell, okay, not a word we hear very often in sermons, you know, God's going to send me to hell because I tell one little lie? No, he's not. Okay, that's good news. You know, wait, you mean if I mess up in my marriage one time and have an affair, that for one affair, one mess up, God's going to send me to hell for that? Nope. Good news. He's not. It's a lot bigger than that. You say, well, what, Dwayne? Wait, are you teaching some new doctrine? No, I'm teaching an old doctrine. In John chapter 3, listen to what the Bible says. First off, I love the first word, whosoever. I love the whosoever. Because God's not interested in your skin color. He's not interested in your economic status, if you've got bucks or you don't have bucks. He doesn't care where you live, in Harrisburg or Glacier or wherever you might be from this morning, where you're listening from. God doesn't care your skin color. He doesn't care how rich or poor that you are. He doesn't even care how big or short your sin list is. He doesn't even care if you count yourself a pretty good person or a really bad person. None of that matters. This all applies to us. 
Whosoever. And look what he says. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Do you see it? Whoever believes in him, and I bet you figured out already, who's the him? The him is Jesus Christ. Whoever believes in Jesus Christ is not condemned. Now, we've got to pause and put, put our, match our pause button, our, our DVR, and put a pause there and say, well, what does it mean? What does this thing believe, Dwayne? What does it mean believe, okay? Well, first off, it's just not like believe. It's, like, it's not like an intellect, I, I, I believe. Okay. In fact, here's what James 2.19 says. Uh, James, the half-brother of Jesus, said, You believe that God is one. You do well. But even the demons believe and shudder. So whatever this belief thing is, it's not like, oh, yeah, I believe. It's something deeper and richer than that. Because the devils believe, the demons believe, and it causes them to shudder. So whatever it is, it's a little bigger than that. So what it is... And I, I think this is clear. It's, it's belief linked to action. It's a belief linked to action. Okay? Um, you know, over in, Jane, or in Mark 1, 1, 14, here's what Jesus said. After John was arrested, Jesus went to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. Okay, so Jesus is out preaching after John the Baptist was was arrested. Okay, he preaches the good news. And here's what he says. The time is fulfilled. The time is now. And the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe. See it there? Not just believe. Repent and believe the good news. So this belief thing is not an intellectual, oh, I believe in God. Because James says, oh, well, guess what? The devils believe and do that. It's a belief leading to an action, but not just any action, an action related to repentance, related to Jesus, related to what he did. Believe it. Now, my son-in-law, Jonathan, is a very smart man. But one day, he was not too smart. Okay? Somewhere back in my past, but when I, after I met him, I think it was before you guys got married, um, Jonathan got in his head to jump out of an airplane. Now, you know, if the plane is going down, maybe, you know, but he was going to jump out of a perfectly good airplane, okay? Um, I didn't go. Rebecca did, took pictures of it, and he is here today, so we did succeed. So he gets up in the airplane, and he starts flying, okay? Now, at some point in his mind, Jonathan had to come to a conclusion that he believed that the thing that he... I think you were probably linked with someone. And, you know, they don't send him out on his own. They hook him up with somebody. But somewhere, Jonathan had to believe that the parachute on his back or this guy's back was going to open up and he was going to float safely to earth. At some point, he, he would say, I believe that or I wouldn't be on the airplane. Okay? However, something deeper happened. Because at some point in the flight... The guy looks at Jonathan and said, okay, it's time to go. And so they stand up at the door of the airplane. And I don't know if the dude said one, two, three. I don't know if he said Geronimo. Um, I don't know what he said, but Jonathan and the guy that he was tethered to stepped out into space. At that point, Jonathan believed with action. Before, it's an intellectual belief. I believe this is a parachute and it'll do it. But when Jonathan stepped out of the airplane, trusting that parachute, there's the key word, trusting the parachute to get him safely down to earth, at that point, Jonathan believed with action. That is exactly what Jesus is saying here. And that's what also when John is saying, when he says, whoever believes in him, it's a belief with action. It's believing what Jesus Christ did on the cross. It's believing that he died for your sin. It's believing that if you ask him to, he will forgive your sin. It's putting your trust, your full weight in what Jesus did on the cross. That's what salvation is all about. So, so, so John says, whoever believes in him is not condemned. Is not condemned. Will not be sent to hell. There will be no eternal punishment. Is not condemned. Dwayne, you still haven't answered that question. You said God wouldn't send me to, lie, to hell for my lie or for my adulterous affair. You left that hanging. Not anymore. Because look what he says. But whoever, another whoever, but whoever does not believe 
is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. So yeah, in a sense, in a sense, your lie, a sin, yeah, it separates you from God. But what will ultimately condemn you to hell is your lack of faith in Jesus Christ. That's the deal. And that's a big deal. That's why, that's why it doesn't matter if you count yourself a big sinner or a little sinner, if you've got a long sin list or a short sin list. The bottom line is, if you don't trust Jesus Christ as Savior, you will be eternally separated from God in a place called hell. And, good news, the other flip side of the coin is, if you do believe in Jesus Christ as Son of God, no matter how long or short your sin list is, or how good you think you are, you will go to heaven. Can I hear an amen? Are you listening? It's huge. This, by the way, will help you when you're sharing with your friends. I'm a pretty good person. So, so I don't deserve hell. Well, wait. You're going to hell because if you sin once, and of course the laws, the, the word says, and the Bible says that if you sin in one point of the law, you sin in all the points of the law. Okay? So what ultimately will cause us to be eternally separated from God is when we say no. That's why the word says that the unpardonable sin. The unpardonable sin is saying no to the Holy Spirit in view of Jesus Christ. It's huge. If you don't get saved, you're going to hell. Bottom line, you need to, someone needs to tell you the truth. In our little world where every player gets a trophy, it doesn't work in eternity. It doesn't work in eternity. The only trophy that counts is Jesus Christ. Is Jesus Christ. So he goes on and says in verse 19, and this is the judgment that light has come into the world. And it was, there was a Christmas and there was an Easter. Light came into the world. Jesus came into the world. Okay, And this is the judgment that light has come into the world. But people love the darkness rather than the light because their works are evil. Now that's a big problem. People are enamored with their sin. So many people, their, their reason for rejecting God or even the existence of God is, you know, people say, I don't believe in God. You know why I don't believe in God? It's not because of the evidence. They admit to themselves, if there is a God, I've got to be in, subje- in subjection to Him. And they don't want to be in subjection to Him. So they just say, we don't believe in God. Okay? So people are enamored because they're enamored with sin, okay, because their works are evil. They love the darkness, okay, okay, because they're enamored with their evil works. In verse 20, for everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. So people, people are opposed to the light because it exposes what they really are. And that is, listen, it's not about sin. It's the fact that you're a sinner, You're a sinner. That's a big deal. And without Christ, you'll be eternally separated from God. And that's by way, that's why you really need to be thankful for Jesus. If you've trusted Jesus as Savior, every time you hear the name of Jesus, you ought to do a woo-hoo. Because, man, I'm telling you what, He changes everything. You will not fry in hell because of Jesus. And you don't walk this road alone because of Jesus. And you can face life, you can face death with confidence because of Jesus. You you can know that he'll never reject you because of Jesus. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. I don't... Listen, church is not a big deal. But Jesus is. Jesus is. I hope... Going too far here, Dwayne. I know, I know. I hope... The next time you go see a cardinal ball game, sit on your hands. If you can't get excited about Jesus, sit on your hands. Because why would you get fired up about a stupid ball team and you can't get fired up about Jesus? Just saying. Now, now David kind of got this. Now, again, don't have time. Spend a lot of time. But you remember David, Bathsheba. Everybody, people heard that story. Raise your hand if you heard the David Bathsheba story. Yeah, okay, cool. Okay, some of y'all have. Okay, I don't have time to explain it. But David was a pretty good guy on his roof, sees a woman taking a bath, okay, ends up having an affair, and to cover it up, ends up having the husband killed, okay? He lives in that sin for a while. God sends a guy, a preacher uh, named Nathan, and says, uh, you know, listen, David, you've done this. You are the man. And David, like, repents. You know, like, he confesses, okay? And and so he wrote a, he wrote a song about it. We don't usually write a song about our sin, do we? Well, David wrote a song about his sin. Okay? And, and it's Psalm 51. And listen to what he says in, in verse 3 and 4 of this song. This is so crucial to being saved. 
For I know my transgressions. He admits he's a sinner. I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. So after, after living with this sin, you know, David comes clean. He admits his sin. And that is so huge to salvation. Admitting what we have done. It's just huge. We have to reach a point where we're willing to look God in the eye and say, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against you. It's very, very important. So that leads to then, so, and I've already alluded to it, kind of built my, my guts, okay? That leads to not only the sin problem, but the sin penalty. The sin penalty. And I'm going to look at three scriptures real quick, and I hope you'll write these down. Uh, they're on your sermon sheet. Um, I want you to write them down, though. Um, three scriptures that look at this penalty in different ways, okay? The first one is from the prophet Isaiah, okay? Prophet Isaiah. It's Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. He starts out by saying this. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, um, that it cannot save. Okay, so in other words, if there's a problem, it's not on God's side. And he says another way, he says, or his ear dull that he cannot hear. Okay, so, so if there's a problem, it's not on God's side. If God's not hearing, it's not a problem with God's hearing aid. Okay, and, and so, you know, if God's hand, if, if, if it seems like something's not happening, it's not on God's side. Now, here's why I chose this verse. And here's why I said what I said. What will ultimately send a person to hell is not a sin, but the fact they're sinners and they're separated from God. Verse 2. But your iniquities. Somebody say iniquities. Yeah. Your iniquities is your sin. Okay. Your sin has made a separation. There's the issue. Sinners are separated from God. And that's why we are cast into hell. We're separated from God. Okay, Your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. So the issue, the penalty of sin is that we are separated from God. Before sin, Adam and Eve and God, they were tight, man. They walked in the cool of the garden together. But when sin came into the world, they were separated. And man's been separated from God ever since. That's why we say you don't need religion. You don't need to quit and start. You need something bigger than that. You need something to close the gap. Something to close the gap. So the first word right down is separation. That's one of the penalties. Uh, he says it another way in Romans 6.23a. Now we're in the New Testament. So we went from a prophet to the New Testament. And it says this. The payment for sin is death. The wages for sin is death. And we heard that already. In the garden, they were tight. After they were separated, as soon as they sinned, they began to die. They began to die. Okay? So the payment for sin is death. We die physically, but ultimately we, die. we have already died. We're born dead spiritually. All right? And the third one is this. It's Revelation 20, 14 and 15. I, well, I heard this up at Moody, not this, but it reminded me of something I already knew. You know, it's not in vogue today to preach about hell. People don't go to church, they say. They don't really hear truth. They really want to hear what makes them feel good. And hell don't make anybody feel good. And by the way, I'm not saying you should knock on a door somewhere and say, Hi, I'm Dwayne from Dorsville Baptist Church and you're going to hell. There's probably a more diplomatic way to do that, okay? But you need to understand something. If you're listening on the radio, if you're here today without Jesus Christ, you need to hear these words, okay? And if you're saved today, if you know Jesus Christ is saved, you need to be reminded what Jesus saved you from. This is just one thing, but he saved you from this. And that's why you all get all fired up. Okay, now listen, here it is. This is Revelation 20, 14, 15, a day in the future, all right? Then, this John wrote this, then death and hell, or Hades, were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. Okay, that's cool. And if anyone's name, I'll read it again. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So it boils down ultimately to this. When you get down after life into eternity, all of us are eternal creatures. Okay, we, we, we're, it, whether we're eternal or not is not the point. It's where we're going to spend eternity. And if you stand before God and he looks through the book of life and your name is not written there, he's not going to go, oh, yeah, you lied on, on June the 24th. Yeah, right here. I've got, I've, got, I've got it recorded right here. 
Oh, 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 you, you committed adultery on that day. Uh, you weren't kind. You didn't forgive. No, he won't do that. At the final thing, he's going to look. And if your name's not written in the book of life, and by the way, that's where you've trusted Christ as your Savior. If your name's not there, you'll be cast in the lake of fire forever. Dwayne, I don't believe that. It doesn't change that. I don't like that. It doesn't change that. But I tell you what, I care enough to tell you the truth. I mean, that's one thing. You need to make sure of a couple things in life, and your salvation is one of them. You need to make sure you know Jesus Christ. Don't you go into eternity with a good dose of religion. You're going, to, you're going to a place called hell. You've got to make sure you have a relationship with a living God through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ. So that's the penalty. And that's just huge. That's just huge. And it all happened when Adam and Eve, it was passed down from generation to generation to generation. Y'all was on the phone last week when, Judy, uh, when Sarah called me from Korea wishing me Happy Father's Day. And for some reason, um, oh, she said, oh, Blake, uh, Blake got me a new wedding ring. And it was made out of some material. And she had a camera on it so I could see it, you know. And she said, it's a little tight, Daddy, because I've got your hands. Now, it goes like this. Anything good they got from their mother. It ain't bad, they got from me. So I admit, I've got little sausage fingers. Well, Sarah does, she would tell you, in case she listens to this, honey, you would say this. She has little sausage hands. And she said, Daddy, I got those from you. Well, we inherit the sin nature from Adam. We're, we're sinners by choice, and we're sinners by nature. You know, know, David wrote in that same psalm, in Psalm 51, he said, I was conceived in sin. I was conceived in sin. I was shaped in iniquity, he said. So this is an issue that really, really affects us. So so what do we do? Well, again, that same psalm. If if you've not read Psalm 51 in a while, you need to go read it. Because it's a really beautiful picture of, of a sinner coming home. Well, in Psalm 51, here's what here's what David says. I call it the sinner's plea. Have mercy on me. Show unmerited kindness to me, O God. According, not because he deserved it, but according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, here it is, blot out my transgressions. Even way back in the Old Testament, David said if there's any hope, it wasn't on his ability to to make things right. It was God's ability to make things right. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. That's it. That's it. That's the hope. That's the hope. Now I'm going to do something I've never done. And Dave, this is not the invitation. This is not the invitation. I'm going to do something. I, don't, I want to take just a moment again. ABC. ABC. In case you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior... I'm going to give you the opportunity, not in service, I'm going to give it to you right now. If you're listening on the radio, this is your opportunity right now to receive Jesus Christ as Savior. And as they say, it's as simple as ABC. One, you've got to admit to God that you sinned. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. That's why church is such a great place. When you come in here and you've got to feel so uncomfortable, don't. Because you're looking at a bunch of sinners. Okay, it's just what we are. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So when you admit to God that we have sinned, We've got to be is believe. We've got to believe what the Bible says about ourselves, that we've sinned. But also we have to believe what Jesus did on a Roman cross. Um, that he was born and lived a sinless life. Okay? And that, that he willingly, that was not a bad plan gone, you know, good plan gone bad. That he willingly was nailed to a Roman cross. He shed his blood because the Bible says what? The payment for sin is death. Someone had to die for our sins. And when Jesus died on the cross, that's exactly what he did. He died for our sins. And we have to believe that. That he was the sinless son of God and he died on purpose for us. Uh, you might say he took our place on the cross. We have to believe that. And remember, remember Jonathan? It's not just believe intellectually. It's jumping out of the airplane belief. It's believing with all your weight and all your hope in eternity that Jesus died for me. I believe that. And the C is squared. C squared, we've got to confess. I think we do that through prayer, but we also talk, do it through men. But uh, when we come before men, but that's God. Hey, God, this is Dwayne, and I know that I've sinned against you. 
And I know there's nothing I can do about that. I'm sorry for that sin. And I want to turn from that sin. That's repentance. I want to turn from that sin. I believe Jesus died for me. And I believe, if I ask him to, that he'll forgive me. And I do that today. So I turn from my sin and I choose to follow Jesus. Something like that. A, B, C. And I want to give you that chance today. And you know, it sounds simple, but remember, it wasn't cheap. You know, Jesus died on the cross. The horribles of death. And he became sin that you could become the righteousness of God. In other words, all the wrath of God for sin. Remember, because God's just. God's just. Someone had to pay for the sin. God just couldn't wink and go, doesn't matter. Someone had to pay for our sin. And God provided that way through Jesus Christ. So he died for our sin. So would you bow your heads right there, please? I, first, I had this plan in two ways. One is that everybody pray the prayer, but I won't do that. Just pray it. Again, this is not the invitation. Would you pray with me this morning? And I want to give you the opportunity to ask Jesus into your heart. And you play quietly where you are. If you're on the radio, right there in your living room where you are. Dear Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. I believe your word that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And today, I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe that he paid the price for my sin. And I believe your word again that says if I ask in faith, he will forgive my sins. I confess to you my faith in Jesus. And I commit to following him for the rest of my life. And you pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Just keep your head bowed just for a moment longer. You need to know something. If you prayed that prayer in faith, now it's no simple commitment. No shallow commitment. But if you prayed that prayer believing today and confessing, what happened at that moment was God forgave your sins. And you became a child of God. And at the end of the service, we're going to give you the opportunity to come forward. I'll be standing down front this morning, and I'll give you the opportunity to come and say, Dwayne, during the middle of your message, which is kind of weird, I asked Jesus to come to my heart, and I believe he forgave my sins. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to celebrate together. We're going to celebrate together. All right, you may look up. You may look up. So that hopefully happened on the radio or maybe it happened to you in this room. And again, at the end of the service, we're going to give you that opportunity. Now, I've still got about 15 minutes if I time it right. And I want to tell you now, now this is the practical part of the safety briefing, okay? What happens when we're saved? What, what happened in people's life? What happened five minutes ago when some person in this room, it may have been a child, it may have been an adult, some person said, okay, I did that. What happened, Wayne? Well, let me give you, and this is so, you know, we're going to use those real spiritual terms today. Woohoo! Okay? We're going to real doctrine sounding words. But some amazing things just happened in your life. And listen, listen, if you are saved today, and for me it was 40 some years ago, but if you are saved today, or 40 years ago, or 20 years ago, it's so important you understand what God did for you, because when you understand what God did for you, you have a deeper appreciation. And the deeper appreciation that you have for your salvation, the more intently you will follow and enjoy a relationship with Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? Are you listening? Are you listening? Okay, first off, the first word is regeneration. What occurs in salvation is regeneration. Now, I wrote down a few words that, that I want to make sure you understand salvation is not. Salvation is not rejuvenation. Rejuvenation is when you freshen up, Robin. When you freshen something up. You know, you ladies, you ladies say... Excuse me, honey, I have to go to the restroom to refresh myself. And so y'all go in there, you know, and get your little compact out, and you look in the mirror, and you pucker your lips up and refresh your lips up. That's not what being saved is. It's not rejuvenation. It's not renovation. Some of y'all recently redid your kitchen, you redid your bathroom, and you kind of made it over. Well, salvation is not God kind of making you over. It's bigger than that. Someone say amen. Someone say amen. All right? Okay. Salvation is not recitation. 
It's not you down and God doing a little CPR on you. Okay? Your heart quit beating spiritually, so he does a little CPR on you. That's not salvation. Salvation is not even resurrection. Because if I was laying here dead and somebody came out and resurrected me, I'd still be the same old Dwayne. No, salvation is regeneration. It's new. It's new. Here's what Jesus said. In John 3, 3, Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, a Jewish guy. Jesus answered him and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So when we trust Jesus Christ as Savior, the way Jesus put it, and by the way, it's a great terminology, you know, he is born again. It's like being born again. And over in verse number 7, he said, you must be born again. If you're going to see the kingdom of God, you must be born again. And if you prayed that prayer either five minutes ago or 80 years ago, you were born again. You weren't rejuvenated, recitated, resurrected, or remodeled. You were born again. And that's huge. Come on now. That's huge. I'm telling you, that's huge. It's big. That's, where's Dave Nave at? Dave, where are you, bud? Woo, wave your hands. You here? Yeah, bud. That's why redeemed is so great. That's why that voice of shame and condemnation that whispers in our ear, tell it to get lost because we were born dead. We're, we're, listen, 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 listen. When God sees you, I love this. I said this for like three times in the last eight weeks. You know, when God sees you, he don't see a repaired sinner. He sees a child of his. He sees a child of God. That's so incredible. He doesn't look down and say, oh, there's old broken Dwayne. There's old sinner Dwayne. Doesn't see that. He sees me as a child of his. No matter how I mess up, that's just incredible. How amazing. So you must be born again. Now, Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Born again. A new creation. The old has passed away. And behold, the new has come. So you've been, if you trusted Christ, whether five minutes ago or years ago, you were regenerated. Be sure and burn that in your heart. Born again. The old song, I love that song. I got saved. <laughs> what happens to you? I got saved. That's what Jesus does. I got saved. So not only regeneration, but justification. Now I know that sounds so like, whoa, but here it is. Justification is God declaring you righteous. That's what it is. Justification is God declaring you righteous. That's big. It's not God saying, why don't you try a little harder, Dwayne? Why don't you start this and stop this and we'll check back in a year or two. It's God, regardless of what my efforts are, it is God declaring. Someone say declaring. It's God. Now listen, listen. If I declare something, it don't hold much water. But whenever God, whenever God declares something, it means a lot. And justification is God declaring you righteous in Christ Jesus. So when you got saved other five minutes ago or years ago, God declared you righteous. And by the way, you want to know why you can't lose your salvation? Because God declared you righteous. You didn't declare you righteous. So where do you get off thinking that it depends on you? If you understand salvation, you understand grace, ain't got nothing to do with you. It's all God. How are you going to lose something that belongs to God? You think God's, up to, you think God's going to get in heaven going, well, oh, you're in. Oh, now you're out. Oops, you're in. Now you're out. Oops. No, he declared you righteous and that's what you are. Irrevocably righteous. Irrevocably righteous because of Jesus Christ. Shoot that thing. Listen to this. Romans 3.28. For we conclude, we understand, Paul says, that a person is justified, declared righteous, by faith, don't you miss this, apart from the works of the law. You are saved today because God declared you righteous apart from the works of the law. Someone say apart. Nothing to do with the law. Nothing to do with performance. Nothing to do with I think I can. Nothing to do you hoping you can make it. It has totally to do with declared righteous by faith, faith apart from the works of the law. Romans 5.1 Therefore, since we have been justified or declared righteous, therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Shoot that thing. That's better than pecan pie on any day. It's awesome. It's incredible. It's wonderful. 
So we've been regenerated and we've been justified. And just keep in mind, God declares us righteous. God declares us righteous. But then we have this other spiritual sounding word, sanctification. Sanctification. Now that's really easy. Sanctification is the lifelong process, practically speaking, of being more like Christ. Now, now this is where we got to pause. I got to slow down. Okay, I want you to understand something. The moment you trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, your sins were all forgiven. And you were like Jesus. It's okay to say amen. You're like Jesus. That's, that position can never change. Because who declared it? God did. Not you. Not your works. God declared it. However, practically speaking, are we always like Jesus? Uh, well, no, you're not. <laughs> Can I help you? <laughs> you're not. So sanctification, which means, by the way, set apart, okay? Positionally, the day I, the day I trusted Jesus Christ, God set me apart and declared me righteous. But practically, we've got some things to work out in our lives, practically. And that's self, That's sanctification. That's sanctification. Okay, it's becoming more like Jesus. I love the illustration. You know, I can go back to my friend Bob, or I can talk about the story about the rock carver, you know, who made, you know, when Michelangelo made David, you know, the marble statue. He looked at this block of marble, and whatever didn't like Jesus or looked like David, he knocked off. Okay, my friend Bob would carve a duck. He took a block of wood, and whatever didn't look like a duck, he carved off. God is in the process during the rest, from the day you trust Jesus Christ until you die, of making you more like Jesus practically. That's what this whole book is about. Sanctification. Now here's our verse. Listen to Romans 8, 29, 30. For those whom he foreknew, he, now listen, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So, so you say, what is, what is God doing in my life? He's knocking off the rough edges. He's conforming you to look like Jesus. Sometimes that's success. Sometimes it's pain. I did something hard. Judy Judy has the green thumb. I don't. She thinks nothing about taking a pair of clippers and just... I said, Judy, take it easy. You're going to kill the thing. It's hard for me. Without being prompted, I've got my little hackers out. I've got the most beautiful um, dogwood tree and the most beautiful redwood tree. And they're really close together. Someone asked, why did you put them so close together? You're supposed to ask. Well, I didn't, actually. Two birds pooped and put seeds there. I'm not being funny. It's the truth. One day, there's a dogwood tree. And for a while, we cut it down, didn't we, Judy? And we decided it didn't want to live. So it grew. And then all of a sudden, a redbud popped up and it grew. And now we got these two trees real close together. But that's why. Well, I know redbuds are kind of... Are, Dogwoods are kind of temperamental. I said, Judy, I think I need to take clippers and clip off some branches at the bottom. Okay, honey, go right ahead. I mean, the woman is hard. So I gently started snipping away. And you know what? When I stepped back, it looked better. Now, I'm sure if I'd asked the dogwood, Hey, dogwood tree, how'd that feel? And you know what it'd say? How do you think it felt? Has anyone taken a clipper? Has Judy taken a clipper and clipped some off you recently? Thankfully, no. Sometimes sanctification is painful. But the end result is beautiful. Because more and more practically speaking, we're like Jesus. All right, y'all worry about Kentucky. I'll move on. Kentucky Fried Chicken's calling. All right, very good. All right, sanctification. And lastly, and lastly, glorification. Glorification. We got regeneration. We've been declared righteous by God. That's justification. We got sanctification where God leads us in a process, sometimes painful, sometimes not, to become more like Jesus. But ultimately, ultimately, we're going to heaven. And that's glorification. And guys, Tim, heaven's real. Heaven's real. We cannot get our arms around how wonderful it is. There's more than one precious saint in this room who knows how real heaven is because they had to say goodbye to a loved one, a spouse. And they're left here to walk by themselves. And you know what they'll say to you? Heaven's real. And they're banking 
on seeing their loved one again because that loved one knew Jesus. And they knew Jesus. What's it like, Dwayne? Well, the whole book of Revelation tells a lot about it, but I'm just going to share one scripture so we can call it a day. In Revelation 7, 9, and 10, it says this, John speaking. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude. That's the whosoever's. A great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and for the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Heaven's not sitting by a bank catching bass. It's not wall climbing or mountains. It's enjoying God forever. A glorious... You know, I don't tell many jokes, and this is a short one, but you ever heard the story about the kid, you know, who asked the preacher, is heaven going to be like church? And the preacher said, yeah, son, a little bit. He goes, I'm not sure I want to go. (laughs) Heaven is the most glorious worship service, enjoying God forever. And because of the whosoever, every nation and tribe and tongue will be represented there. All the whosoever's who believe in Jesus. So if you're here today, and you've never done that, you've never done that, I'll be down front. I've got some friends who will be glad to talk with you today. And I I think you've heard a lot today about how to be saved. But if you've got some other questions, we'd be glad to answer those questions today. The most important decision you'll ever make is what you do with Jesus. Hands down. Hands down. The most important decision you'll ever make. If you're here today and you have trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, we celebrate that with you. If it happened 20 minutes ago or 15 minutes ago, would you come down and just let me know? Um, we'll share with you. We'd love. I know the congregation wants to know. If you prayed that prayer today, come down and say, Hey, Brother Dwayne, I prayed that prayer today. And we'll celebrate with you today. And by the way, if you're listening on the radio, if you're still on, I don't know if you are or not, you know, give the church office a call and let us know that you trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. We want to celebrate with you. And, and the rest of us, those of us who know Christ and it happened years ago or months ago in our life, just leave here today saying, yep, I listened and I know what it means to be saved and it happened to me. Amen? Are you listening? All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so very much for the privilege of sharing the grand old story again, hopefully in a new and fresh way. I want to pray, Father, first for those who might be here and still not accepted Christ. Oh, may today be that day when they trust Jesus. Help them to see, Father, that the future they have without you is horrible, but the future they have with you is wonderful. So we pray, Lord, they'll trust Christ. Father, for the ones who may have prayed that prayer earlier in our service today, I want to ask God that you'll have them come forward even right now. Our Father, perhaps call the church office and just let us know so we can celebrate together. And for all the rest of us, Lord, we're the guys on the plane. And sometimes we're not listening because we've flown a lot. May we now leave here with a commitment to always listen to your word and be grateful for all the things that you've done for us. You are an amazing, wonderful God. As we sing, you're a good, good father. And yes, we are loved by you. And how incredible is that? Thanks for the glorious, glorious plan of redemption.